Welcome back for another helping of oysters, clams, and clickers presented by Bolin Media. I am Ross Bolin here today with Mr. Barrett Dudley. And Barrett, now it is my turn to be the first to congratulate you. Ah, yes. Turns out you weren't just in Mexico to test for Gus and high cholesterol. That's right. Congratulations on the engagement. Thank you. Thank you. Big things popping. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. The OCC I'm very excited family. for you to be the first to congratulate me live on, on the air. You're welcome. Here. Yeah, yeah. You're thank welcome. You. Thank you for that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I had a nice little trip down there. Made a big Mexico. Had a big life moment, you know? You did it. And just had a, had a, had a few nice days away where I didn't, you know, I didn't even have to think about touching Gus. Yeah. yeah. Hashtag touching Gus. <laughs> Today we are here to digest and discuss episode seven of HBO's The Last of Us. The episode was titled, Do You Know It, Barrett? Uh, no. Left no. behind. Left behind. Left Surprise, behind. motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. Also, hey, shout, shouts to Cade for, uh, for, for filling in last week. He did a nice job. I listened to, listened to you guys talk um, on, the, on, the, uh, on the, the ride home, on the plane home. So it was, uh, it was, an, it was enjoyable to, you know. High pressure moment for the to, kid. To, to, yeah. to, to listen to y'all. You've got big shoes speak, to fill. Because I generally don't go back and listen to myself speak. Right. You know? I have to so, for clipping purposes. Right. But it is not something I enjoy <laughs> listening to myself speak either. So I'm in the same boat as you. But shouts to Kate. Thank you yeah, for that. Yeah, you did great. And uh, happy to be back here talking about Left Behind. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Big app. Big app. Let's do it. We, uh, we open up episode seven with shots of this neighborhood that Ellie has apparently taken an ailing Joel into and there's like we see tracks yeah blood yeah and blood there's some blood like she dragged him i think yeah, she like yeah, got yeah. him set up on some type of something on the back of the horse or you know that the horse was pulling and dragged him to this neighborhood and she parked the horse in the garage yeah, did you notice that, that how about that horse just shaking the ice off i liked that yeah it's a good moment yeah and uh, as ellie tends to joel down in the basement of this house she's attempting to stop the bleeding joel just tells her to leave he says, go north, go to Tommy. He go even to like Tommy. throws her. Yeah. He's pretty aggressive about it. And uh, he thinks he's done for. Tommy. Wants her to abandon him and fend for herself. So Ellie covers him in a blanket, looks at him as if to say goodbye, and heads up the stairs. And when she puts her hand on the doorknob and opens it, we begin our flashback to Ellie in Fedra school. And Barry, right, yeah. you basically called it on Patreon last week with the way this flashback episode would operate. You laid out the possibility that maybe we would get some type of setup at the beginning with Joel yeah, yeah. that would then trigger flashback, and uh, that is the way it went down. So Yeah, yeah, we got to, and, and then we obviously, you know, we'll, we'll get to it, but we return as well. So yeah, the, we pop the, back in. So it's interesting how the way that they are doing these, like, quote-unquote bottle episodes is so that they're not total bottle episodes. We do get, they're always kind of, like, irrelevant to something yeah. that's happening in the story, so we kind of, like... Touch on the current present timeline. We we then we hit the flashback takes the most of the episode, and then we kind of come back to to, to where we are in in the timeline. Um, so I thought that was well done. I liked the you know I, I think the connection points. I think having those is is smart, especially with the cliffhanger that they left us with. And also just props to the to the to the show for selling the possibility of Joel dying so well because. You remember in last season of Succession when like Kendall Jeremy Strong ends up like floating in the pool? And yeah, it's like, oh my god, he's dead, he's dead, he's dead. And he's I was, killing and, himself. And I, we came on and we're like, there's no way, like he definitely is not dead. Th- this time I was in the camp of being like, he's dead. 
He's so dead. They Ned Stark does. Like I kind of like I like, you know. I think over the course of the week, I had talked myself into him not being dead, but they, uh, you know, nonetheless, I think they sold it well. There was a real possibility in my mind, and um, you know, but pretty quickly we're we're seeing here that he's not dead yet. Not dead yet. Not doing well. Not though. doing well though. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's a gnarly I, wound. It seems like we pop in there at the beginning, pre-flashback to pretty immediately after what we saw in episode six, yeah. right? Yeah, like yeah, she yeah. has just gotten him to this house. She has totally. just gotten him down into this basement or whatever. Um, but to get to the flashback, we're at Fedra School, as we knew we would be based on last week's, you know, next time on The Last of Us preview, and Ellie is running laps around the gymnasium jamming her Walkman when some bitch named Bethany rips her headphones off uh, and starts talking yeah. shit. Very relative right now, too, because I don't know if you've been paying attention, but people in New York, there's uh, they're having their, their uh, AirPod Maxes just stolen right off their heads by guys on mopeds. Really? Yeah, just like, just like, just like Bethany just goes and rips them off. That's what they're doing in New York. Don't, so careful with your AirPod Maxes out there. Especially if you're in New York. You know how people, some people have reverted back to the wired? Yes, yes. Uh -huh. iPhone headphones? Indeed. I, I sort of, like, I don't have any. I wish I did. I can never find them when I mm -hmm. need them. I have AirPods, which I lose, like, once a month, <laughs> and then and then have to wait until I, they pop up in my couch or whatever. <laughs> but I'm sort of on the team wired headphones. Uh -huh. I like the retro look of it. Yeah. And they are easier to keep track of. Yeah. As a guy uh, who's lost true. several pairs of AirPods. The problem is that you need, like, they made the the Apple ones with the lightning plug yep. for, like, all of, like, six months. Yeah, this is the, the huge problem I have. And so you have to find one of those pairs, and it's it's borderline impossible. Yeah, and they don't give them to you with a new nope. phone anymore. No, they do not. No, oh, they stopped doing that. So um, Bethany says that Ellie won't fight back because it was her friend who always did the fighting for her, and her friend is gone. Bethany made the wrong read, though, and Ellie beats her ass, then gets sent to what is like the, you know, yeah. a version of a Fedra principal's principal. office. She goes to the principal. And uh, Bethany gets sent to the infirmary with 15 stitches. So she must have gone at her pretty, pretty good. Yeah. As a guy who's gotten stitches in his face several times, I never got 15. And I've done, like, I ran into a table one yeah. time and, like, split my head open. That's didn't take 15. What, what's the kid on Talladega Nights say? He's like, I'm going to come at you like a spider monkey. That's exactly what he says, Barry. <laughs> That's what that's what Ellie did. Yeah, she came at her like a spider monkey. So Ellie tells this uh, Fedra officer that's like the principal, right, um, to put her in the hole. So they have a hole, which is like a prison thing. Yeah. And and funny that they have it at a school. Um, but he responds that he's put her in the hole three times already and that that's not working. So he's going to try something new. The truth, uh, he says, which I think he remember he, he he like starts off the conversation by saying, you're not, you know, what I would call like a model student exactly, but the last three weeks you've been a fucking mess. And we find out that coincides with when uh, her friend and roommate, mm -hmm. bail Riley, bailed on her. So she's been acting out since that happened. Um, and I have to assume that the three times in the hole have been in that three-week period. So she's been going down to the hole quite a bit. Uh, the Fedra officer then breaks it down for her that basically she has two paths she can choose from. One is the coffee cup, which symbolizes being a grunt, who takes shit and shovels shit for the rest of her life um, and gets ordered around probably by an officer, probably by, uh, he assumes it would be Bethany, right? That it'd probably be worst case scenario for Ellie. And then the other one is uh, keys, a set of keys, which symbolizes following the rules, studying hard and becoming an officer and living yeah, the good did, life. Did, did you, were you able to make a connection with the coffee cup and the keys? Not really. One is like the keys to the kingdom. The other is like... 
the best thing in your life is coffee? I don't know. I really don't know. I think he just grabbed two things yeah. that he had near him. Yeah. He's like, this is what I got to work with. <laughs> Um, by the way, Fedra officer seemed like a nice enough guy. He did. He did. You know? I think the, the, the clues were here early that w- what this episode was going to do, in addition to obviously giving us a lot of Ellie backstory and kind of like maybe like the first big thing that, that kind of made her the way she is, right. set her on her current path. But it was also a bit of, of something that we've talked about, which is is the, kind of this question of like, is Fedra all that bad? Are they a necessary evil? Who is actually on the right side? Is it the Fireflies or is it Fedra? Is, you know, you look at the Kansas City equation and it's like, well, which which one of these things was worse? And it's like, maybe both were just absolutely awful in that, in, in that specific scenario. But here in Boston, it's like, you know, is, is Fedra, does Fedra have some, um, you know, redeeming qualities. Are they the glue that's keeping everything together? And and that 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 kind of like that question is definitely raised here a couple of different times. Yeah, kind of throughout the episode. Um, every week on patreon.com slash oysters clams cockles, we have at least one listener call in and like be the voice of the fascists and and argue that like Fedra was a necessary evil or whatever. Um, but this officer says the way he sees it, as you just put it, that basically they're the only thing holding this together. And that if they go down, the people of the Boston QZ will starve or murder each other. Yeah. Um, when their meeting ends, after Ellie tells him she chooses the keys to the kingdom, just as she's about to walk out, she turns around and asks for her Walkman back. And the guy ends up obliging. And it occurred to me that maybe if she hadn't gotten that Walkman back, she and Riley might not have been attacked because they wouldn't have had the music to play, but I don't know, perhaps that's a stretch. Um, yeah. yeah. That night in Ellie's butterfly room... Butterfly effects, man. Yeah, yeah, man, that's how it goes. Butterfly flaps its wings. And then the next thing next you know, you know. 17,000 miles away, you're dead. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, We get a tour that night of Ellie's room, and it's like her little setup there at Fedra School, which includes a shot of the original, no pun intended, volume one by Will Livingston, uh, which says on the front cover, this otter be good. Otter mm-hmm. as in the animal. Yeah. So clearly Mr. Livingston got better between volume one and volume two O O T O O. Yeah. I had to say that one a couple of times to be like, wait, oh, oh, otter. This otter be right, good. Right, right. This otter be good. Yeah. Because the first time yeah. I was trying to make it this better be good. Uh-huh. And I was like, this is a terrible <laughs> pun. Um, but he's, she's also got like dinosaur drawings and she brings up dinosaurs later in the episode too mm-hmm. with Riley. And I think that... It's supposed to point to like her, like, you know, my four-year-old stepdaughter is obsessed with dinosaurs right now. Like, it's your childhood thing. That's like when you're a little kid, every little kid at some point is super into dinosaurs. So it's mm-hmm. like just like highlighting the existence of her um, being a child. And uh, there's also, she's reading the Savage Starlight comic, which is the brand of comic book she ends up discussing with Sam in episode five. And she's got the Mortal Kombat 2 poster on the wall. Um, so she looks over at the other bunk in her room, which is empty, which we find out was obviously Riley's bunk bed before she bails. And then while Ellie sleeps that night, Riley sneaks back into her room and Riley is played by Storm Reed, who did you recognize her? Yes. Sister, uh, Rue's sister from Euphoria. Yeah. If you're again, HBO family, family. if you're watching Euphoria on HBO, then you knew her as Rue's little sister in Euphoria. Um, we find out Riley's been gone for three weeks. Her and Ellie are best friends. She joined the Fireflies, uh, after being recruited, which we later find out the person who recruited her was Marlene. And, uh, we obviously met Marlene in episode two. So 
one of the more el- interesting elements of this episode was, again, getting Ellie's thoughts not only on Fedra, but also on the Fireflies as a terrorist group. Like, she sees them as, the, you know, she's only been told one thing, and it's by this Fedra school, and that the Fireflies are all terrorists. They're anarchists, she calls them at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, Riley convinces Ellie to go with her on an adventure, but won't tell her where they're going. They end up sneaking out the window, and they're talking on their walk. We find out that Ellie and Riley have been in some shit before. They reference some 7-Eleven situation, which is where Ellie got her, like, eyebrow scar, which I had not even noticed until they kind of highlighted it in this episode. Um, No, I I think that—I could be wrong, but isn't that just a Bella Ramsey thing that I feel like they wrote into the— It might be. I feel like she has that little—that, you know— that little cut, that little scar. That it wouldn't shock me because that yeah. would play for the Game of Thrones role too, right? right? As right, Little Lady Mormont. Right. Um, but but they yes, up... they do reference uh, some other, you know, situations that they've been in. Yeah, it sounds like they got into like a fight with some other kids yeah, or something yeah. at some point. But they climb in the window of some building down an alley and up seven flights of stairs, where they discover a dead man's body, and it looks like he overdosed on pills and booze. There's a little bag of pills next to his body. Although I thought for sure that he was just going to, like, jump scare us and be a, a, a fungus man. You nope, know, jump scare came from him falling straight <laughs> through the fucking floorboard, which still got me pretty good, man. Um, but this is kind of our first warning that, although Riley seems familiar with this route they're taking, this guy's body was not there last time she came through, as she says. So just because you know an area or yeah. a route like, like, you know, like, like the mall later, that doesn't mean things haven't changed since last time you were there. Um, also, I, I found it to be like a kind of a coincidental callback to Joel having smuggled pills to the mm-hmm. Fedra officers. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was supposed to be anything, but it just reminded me of Joel having made that, made that deal yeah, back the, in episode yeah. two. He was, he was slanging, the, slanging pills. Oxys, man. He was moving oxys. Um, so Ellie says she thinks this guy knew what he was doing, implying that he may have killed himself intentionally. Yeah. Uh, I noticed he didn't get through much of that bottle. I yeah, uh-huh. didn't take much, I guess. No, huh. must have taken a lot of pills. Strong pills, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that, you know, that's that, that's that good shit. That's that. That's not that moonshine. That's that. Right. Pre. This is from before. Yeah, yeah. Pre pandy booze Whis- whiskey. Yeah. Which, I mean, you'd think moonshine is actually probably stronger. But... Stronger, but more disgusting. Yes. I would think. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Ellie and Riley take the bottle of booze and they start partying yeah doing it like Sticking, teenagers yeah. man pounding pounding that whiskey riley always says gimme taking pulls when she wants more it's like very you know the first time you like drank liquor when you're a kid or whatever mm-hmm. you're just kind of a dipshit about it she right. just she says gimme anytime she wants more and i'm that made me laugh <laughs> um but yeah this also confirms you know from last week when ellie tried joel's flask and she said it was still gross still gross yeah because she had tried alcohol already yep yeah so the pair continue on their journey, and they, they're talking, and we find out Riley lost her parents somehow because Ellie's like, was that your first dead body? Um, Ellie asks to hold her gun because that's Ellie's obsessed with guns. That's what she does. And Riley says she swore not to let anyone handle her firearm. Her sidearm. Uh, her sidearm, yeah. Yeah, and then, and then she lets her anyway after some solid peer pressure from Ellie. She's like, oh, because you're such a fucking firefly, huh? <laughs> um and then Ellie starts prying Riley for information. She's like, so what happened? You started dating some Firefly dude and was like, oh, this is cool. I think I'll be a terrorist. And it's sort of our first, you know, moment where we're kind of poking at whether or not there's something romantic going on between these two or mm-hmm. they're just friends, right? So Riley explains that one night when Ellie was in the hole, 
she got bored, so she snuck out, was sneaking around the QZ, or outside the QZ, rather, when some 40- or 50-year-old chick popped up out of nowhere. It was Marlene, and she recruited her to the Fireflies. And Riley basically describes it as, like, uh, for her, the way she sees it is you either become a Firefly or a fascist dickbag, right? And... Ellie argues that it's not that simple, that in a way, Fedra kind of holds everything together. And again, we're getting into this, like, it very much depends, especially when you're a kid, it depends on what you're being fed, right? Like, if you were in Fedra school, you could see how the Fedra grown-ups could convince you pretty quickly that the Fireflies are simply terrorists. They're out here bombing shit, killing <laughs> soldiers. You could see how they could convince you that Fedra holds everything together. Yeah. And um, vice versa. Totally. And it's also a good, I, I also think it's interesting because they're, they are talking in this very with with this very black and white perspective right that you're either a firefly or you're a fascist you're kind of one or the other you're one you're one or the other and then you know last week even and 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 really throughout the series so far kind of what we've seen from joel is that he didn't choose or wouldn't choose right and so i it and and he even had some semi-political comments last week where you know where he 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 has that one like real well-written line that's like well, I guess there were two groups of people, the ones that wanted to own everything and or, or, or and the ones that wanted other people to own nothing at all. Or, yeah, yeah, I like thought every, nobody should, should own, own everything or like yeah, or, or, yeah. However he phrases it, I'm I'm kind of botching it here, but but basically saying that there were like the communists and like the, the capitalists, and the, cap- yeah. the communists <laughs> and the capitalists. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um and the way that he's talking about it, we can kind of surmise, especially given how he's operated in the QZ and, and throughout the last 20 years, that he was he was neither, that he, he he wasn't picking, that he was he lied somewhere in the middle. And and so it's just kind of interesting going forward to, you know, kind of look at like like where that gets Joel and what that says, you know, um, in broader terms about not kind of choosing either of, of, of an extreme position. Right, either ideology. Yeah. I also thought of a good nickname for Tommy um, in between episodes, uh, Commie Tommy, <laughs> because he is, in fact, a, a communist uh-huh. now living yeah. on a commune. Um, next, uh, Ellie and Riley are jumping from rooftop to rooftop on their way to the mall. They continue kind of arguing about Fedra versus Fireflies. Riley says they were starving their own population. So again, like pointing to... A pretty drastic measure that Fedra may or may not have taken. We found out in in uh, Kansas City that they were really out of control there, right? That yep. they were doing murder and torture and all kinds of bad shit. So um, here it appears that maybe one of their tactics was starving the population or at least withholding food, right? Yep. And, and yep. making them earn it or something like that. And Ellie says that Fireflies blowing up the storage depot didn't help. Riley calls that propaganda bullshit, yada, yada, yada. They just keep going back and forth, right? Um, Riley says that, uh, basically like, Hey, we can stop fighting. We've reached our destination. And Ellie's like, Whoa, the mall. Are you out of your fucking mind? They sealed that place off for a reason. It's full of infected. And Riley says, if it's sealed off, then why isn't it sealed off? (laughs) And for some reason I hated that line. (laughs) I was like, come on, that's what, um, 
But yeah, we're off to the mall. But first, if you're like me and have trouble relaxing or getting to sleep, especially when you're stressed after watching an emotionally scarring episode of The Last of Us, then Cured Nutrition is here to help. And today's episode is brought to you by Cured Nutrition. When the world feels crazy and chaotic, remember, you don't have to. You deserve to take control of your mental and physical health. Cured Nutrition is trying to make it easier for you to do exactly that. Formulated with their trinity of ingredients, a blend of full-spectrum cannabinoids, functional mushrooms, and adaptogens, serenity gummies are your answer to to finding the calm in every storm. Cured wants you to feel good about feeling good, so they took their time formulating their serenity gummies. They left out the artificial flavors, sugars, and dyes and replaced them with ingredients that actually live up to their clean label, wellnessy word. I've taken their serenity gummies after work uh, pretty consistently over the past month or so. They're phenomenal, providing me with the calm and relaxation I need while keeping me productive and sharp. Also, for those of you who have trouble getting to sleep, their nightcap capsules are phenomenal. I've been taking the night caps sometimes with one of their Zen capsules as well and sleeping like a baby, which is huge because we got a newborn baby in my house. And when I get the chance to sleep, I need to make that sleep good sleep. Highly, highly recommend both the Serenity gummies, the night caps and the Zen capsules from Cured. And right now, Cured is extending an exclusive offer to the Clam Fam. You can grab a bag of Serenity gummies for 20% off by visiting curednutrition.com slash dragon and using coupon code dragon at checkout. That's C-U-R-E-D nutrition.com slash dragon, coupon code dragon at checkout to save 20%. Protect your peace, Papa Gummy. So once we're in the mall, Riley sends Ellie ahead of her to set up her surprise, right? And then she turns on all the mall lights first of all being an abandoned mall would be creepy as shit and uh, also my dad thinks it was the same mall from the set of stranger things so i wondered that i did i definitely did wonder that um but also i don't know recently malls have just been appearing in a bunch of different stuff there's a mall in physical as well okay uh and the thing about malls is that there are lots of malls all all around and that they're dying, and they're kind of dying. So yeah. it's probably not that hard to find a uh, like a you know a mall to 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 utilize for these for these types of shoots. I gotta say, they went into it a little bit in the inside of the episode afterwards. The set dressing here, the set decoration, the way that they were able to make this entire mall feel you know not only abandoned for twenty years. I've actually I've, I've seen malls that look like that, right? But uh, but also just with all the growth and the the dirt and the broken windows and the looting and like the way that the, you know, they obviously had to, had to do the two thousands, you know, window treatments and what would, that's what would be in the stores and the bath and body works and like all just, they crushed it. They did a really, really nice job here. Yeah. It felt, um, like everything you would expect it to. Right. And, and like you said, having gusts everywhere in there, or like in specific spots right, right, was, right. was, it was really cool. Uh, Riley tells Ellie that she's going to show her the four wonders of them all. And Ellie is really excited that Riley has, quote unquote, planned stuff, mm-hmm. which the way she said it was like a big contribution to us as an audience, or at least me picking up on the crush that Ellie has on Riley. It was yeah, kind of the yeah. first big cue. And Ellie thinks that the escalator or electric stairs, as she puts it, <laughs> is the first wonder of them all. Like she's so stoked on this, um, which is funny because my wife is terrified of escalators. Yeah. And uh, but she immediately adds a wonder here. Ellie does. So now there's five wonders of them all. Yeah, I think that they were they were being a little uh, too freewheeling here. With yeah, this, you would this escalator. Yeah, these things are dangerous, man. You can get sucked right in. You can get sucked right in. Absolutely, you can lose your hair. It can scalp you. Get a toe stuck get in toes. there. Oh, it's it gets gnarly, man. You don't even want to know. Like 
So you, you got to be real careful with those escalators out there. They were also just like Ellie was very trusting. Uh, and again, remember, this is back in the day, Ellie. She was very trusting of Riley that like there wasn't going to be any infected in here. There weren't going to be any issues because they're very loud. It also is, you know, kind of a, a symptom of the fact that they've been drinking. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of, like you said, freewheeling. I think that was a good way of putting it. They didn't they didn't seem to be too concerned no, about the potential no. dangers of this giant area where yeah. if you think there's going to be any infected. I mean, a mall is a place where a multitude of people would come and shop every day. You figure (laughs) some would be left behind and turned, right? Um, But Take On Me plays while Ellie enjoys her first electric Mm -hmm. stair experience. And a little bit later, they have The Cure's Just Like Heaven, like a remix of it, playing while they're on the the, uh, merry-go-round. And I think those 80s songs really contributed to like the Stranger Things vibes that I was feeling. but like you said, the mall is looted like crazy. Like Foot Locker completely wiped. <laughs> Empty. Yeah. Not so much Victoria's Secret. No. Like people no, weren't people all that concerned with getting lingerie, lingerie out of there. Yeah, no. Um, but Riley laughs trying to imagine Ellie in a G-string lingerie set, <laughs> which was just kind of awkward. And uh, then Ellie uses her reflection in the Victoria's Secret window to try and like spruce herself up a bit. Yeah, just a little primping. Yeah, it was almost like like the Victoria's Secret made her self-conscious, right? <laughs> like with her appearance, which yeah. I which I thought was just kind of a funny note to stick in there. Um, but they end up hand, holding hands on their way to the second wonder of the mall, and and the romance vibes start kicking up mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. And uh, Wonder One, or I guess number two, after the electric stairs is a merry-go-round. And this is when the anxiety of knowing that they are inevitably going to be attacked, yeah. right? Because we know it's coming. <laughs> yes, like she, yes. We know she got bit in this mall. Um, the anxiety really picked up for me and, and maintained throughout the rest of the episode. Yeah, this was a very tense episode. Um, they've obviously planted this for us. We know what happens. We know she gets bit. We don't know anything about Riley, so it's safe to assume what happens to Riley even before anything actually does go down. So yeah, they, they're definitely ramping up the tension here with the carousel. Uh, I think where I really started to feel it is the next wonder with the the photo booth. Oh God, yeah. Because I, I thought for sure like- Something <laughs> pop in there. Like stick its head in and like bite Riley in the face or something. So yeah. Also of note, when Marlene is talking to Ellie, I believe in episode two, and Ellie is like, you guys are terrorists. She's like, was Riley a terrorist? Mm. She 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 references Riley, and we don't know who that is at That's that right. point. Yeah. But yeah. it kind of even furthers the uh, feeling of inevitable doom here yeah. in the mall. Yeah. Like, ah, uh, she's not going to make it, right? Um, again, while they're on the merry-go-round, just like Heaven from the Cure plays, which the Cure Barrett get it, and uh, mm. then yeah. Then we're on to that photo booth, which costs five dollars. Fortunately, Riley has a five-dollar bill. Unfortunately. The photo printer is running out of ink. Yeah. So they don't get great documentation here. Yeah, the quality is really, you know, it's just not the same as it was 20 years ago. No, man. It's degraded. Yeah, yeah. The technology. Needs to be calibrated. Just wasn't built to last. Yeah. Um, When Riley leans on Ellie for the final photo, like the scary one, Mm -hmm. Ellie gets kind of awkward and says, like, get off me, Mm -hmm. which is just interesting. And then it's on to the fourth wonder of them all. It's the arcade. And Riley apparently had come through the day before and spent an hour breaking into the coin machine. I don't know why it took her so long, but uh, they play Mortal Kombat 2, which is the very same game Ellie has that poster of on her wall back at Federal School, the very same game that Ellie was so stoked to find at Cumberland Farms earlier this season, 
when she even references like Riley plays with Melina and she eats Ellie's Raiden and spits out the bones, which yeah. is the whole thing that Ellie spit out in front of Joel at Cumberland Farms. Uh, and while the girls keep playing Mortal Kombat, is that's when we zoom out of the arcade and down the mall corridor to what, during my second watch through when I was making our outline, I realized like that is the horror store. That's the Halloween-y-ass store that they end up getting attacked in. I believe. Okay. Yeah, okay. Th- this this infected is, uh, you know, I, it is a clicker, right? I I, I, well, I don't know. No, it looked no. like a clicker. I, I actually would have called this one a, uh, what is it, a runner? A runner. Because it's so, when it, we're getting to the attack here, it's moving very, very fast. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess its head being sort of clickery looking yeah. is what kind of tripped me out, but there weren't any clicking noises. It seemed to be able to see them still. And, Yes, and I right to not get too technical, but to to try to uh, you know appease the the gaming crew out there from not having to scream at their radios too hard. I'm pretty sure a clicker like it, it can't do anything but click. It can't see shit. Yeah, like, it, it has can to go only off of that the sonar clicking yeah. echo location type shit. Like this thing could still kind of see it had eyes. But yes, it was on its way to becoming a clicker, I would say. Yeah, it was camped out there in the spot, like charging on the dock almost, right? right like yes. if it had gotten a few more bars, it would have been a full-blown clicker, but didn't yeah. quite make it. Yeah, uh, I thought it was interesting that there was all the, the Gus coming out of his spot up on that right, wall. Right, He was almost in like the full, it was weird. He was almost like the full, like just like melted Wall guy, right? Or wall guy. Like yeah. we saw in episode yeah. two yeah. Uh, on the way to the, the I, old I, town hall. I do, I, I like how this show doesn't rely too much on the zombies and we're almost through the first season, you know, and like the, it's using them pretty sparingly. And, and I've also credited the show with having like a really cool backstory that does make some... That, ha- that has some basis in science with the whole mycology thing and the fungus and, and how this can actually, has actually happened in ants and stuff like that. I, I do have, w- w- sometimes when something like this happens, it does start to make me like ask questions about the Gus. Right. Which is largely not a good thing. But like, go back to last week, like the monkeys don't have the Gus, the dog doesn't have the Gus, animals in the wild don't just seem to be spreading it like crazy. So I'm wondering about that. I'm wondering, like, why aren't other mammals and animals affected? Affected, right. And then also with this one, it's like, this guy's been growing for 20 years, but isn't a clicker yet. Like, and is still, like, in this seated position. He hasn't even started running. Like, what, like, how did, how did he get there? You know what I mean? I just, just a, just a little side note. I'm, I'm, it just. Some of these scenes make me wonder how all that is is working, and is it, and if there is any logic or kind of like story to it, or if it's just kind of like random. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it was the biggest one for me was back in Kansas City when we got the horde and you know coming up from the underground mm-hmm. or whatever. I was like, what's with this Gus? But yeah. to kind of answer your question, I thought about the animal thing a lot and the monkeys because it flagged for you and we talked yeah, about it on yeah. Patreon. Um, I think it's the implication is like the dogs, the monkeys, they wouldn't have been eating this flower that's mm, infected, right? From right. like it started with a food thing and it was people food. So if you were an animal and you could avoid the human beings, then you would stay. And maybe it's like the human beings only go after the infected humans only, only go, go after other, infected yeah, or yeah. after okay. non-infected humans, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. something with that. But I, I still, just like you, am on the lookout for like, the animal stuff longer term. Like, mm-hmm. what the fuck is going on there? Um, but yeah, while the girls keep playing Mortal Kombat, uh, we see that that runner, as it were, being activated, like woken up. 
So after their last game of Mortal Kombat 2, Ellie and Riley have another moment of sexual tension. And then Ellie says, like, she kind of freaks out. Like, it's like they almost kiss. She's like almost going to kiss her. And then she's like, you know what? I got to go home. And I even like on my couch, I was like, what the fuck? You've still got another wonder left. You're just going to bounce? Yeah. So my read here was that she wanted to make sure that this night happened again, basically. Right. Because she tells her, I could come meet you come here back. tomorrow. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. And good so I point. Think she was kind of like, this night's been great. I want another one. I don't want this to just end. I don't want this to just be like a one-time thing. So if I, it, you know, it's kind of like the Costanza leaving something in the apartment. So oh, yeah. as a reason to call. Yeah. It's a great move strategically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I kind of got that vibe from it where it's like, oh, well, you didn't, you know, you didn't show me that those final, the final wonder, or the final two wonders. So we're like, we got to go back. We hit those tomorrow. Yeah. 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 Um, but Riley convinces her to stay by telling her she got her a gift and she takes her to Macho Nacho, which it turns out is where she's been living, like mm-hmm. in the kitchen, Riley. And uh, she gives her Will Livingston's No Pun Intended Volume T.O.O. Um, I'll just reference one joke this time. Neither of them get the joke about computers. How does a computer get drunk? It takes screenshots. And I was tired and I'm kind of a dumbass. So it took me a second. I was like, what was confusing? Oh, neither one of them. These are both both post-outbreak kids. They have never fucked with a computer before. They got no idea. Uh, I think having watched Station Eleven recently, where um, I can't remember the main character's name, but she has a phone, like, and she would have known what a screenshot is. That kind of messed with my head. Yeah, I did like, I, I and, and this was something that I thought about a little bit. Just it made me think back to Jackson, and then I was also just thinking about the mall. How in this post-apocalyptic setting, a lot of things that we now take for granted, right? Like malls are dying, like we talked about, and it's like. You kind of reframe the the perspective where everything is gone and the mall is suddenly really cool again. Yeah. It has all these things. It has shops. It has a carousel. It has the escalator. It's got the arcade. It's got the Halloween shop. It's got like all this stuff in it. It's, it's got just, everything you need, Barry. It's got everything, right? Macho so, Nacho. It's got Macho Nacho, man. Um, and then I was thinking kind of back to Jackson about how like that it's 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 movies and it's jackets and it's the the uh, the diva cup and and it's it's like n- not a phone in sight, right? Like right. You would look at a at an iPhone, whatever, and be like, "Well, that's useless." Yep. So it's just kind of it's 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 you know it kind of obvious, but it's just kind of interesting how like post apocalypse new technology is worthless essentially. It's a callback to a simpler time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I also think it's the reason that like you hit on there are malls in so many different TV shows and movies now mm-hmm. because they're sort of a relic of the past. Like right. you and me are in our mid thirties. So like we, we went to the mall all the time plenty, growing plenty, up. It was yeah. like one of those things where, you know, when you're watching an eighties movie and the kids get dropped off at the mall, like that was you and I's childhood too in the nineties, right? Like yeah. we'd get dropped off at like the movie theater more often than the mall probably. Sure. But every time I would go shopping or we'd hit like Hollister or Abercrombie <laughs> and Fitch or whatever, yeah. I'd always see groups of kids who had very clearly been dropped off by their parents, and this is where they were spending time, yeah. which sounds fucking insane in 2023. I mean, I think some of that does still happen a But at a bit. much but smaller a, yeah, scale, yeah. right? Like, uh, I mean, it's the reason that malls are dying, because the internet, online shopping, has pretty much made them a thing of the past, like where it is only people our age and up that you even see at the fucking <laughs> mall, like... Um, but yeah, I, I think it's the reason that malls are so interesting and, and it's almost like the big mall lobby is, uh, is all up in Hollywood throwing money around, making sure that they get mall <laughs> stories into TV and film so that maybe the, the, you know, the, the zoomers will head back to the mall one day. Uh, but Ellie finds Riley's pipe bombs. That's what those were, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And she gets really upset again about Riley being a firefly, which was kind of getting repetitive for me at this point. Like, it was just starting to grate on me. I was like, oh, my God, here we go. But she storms off, and Riley chases her down and tells her, look, I'm leaving Boston. I'm leaving the Boston QZ and the whole Boston area because the fireflies are sending me to a post in the Atlanta QZ. Tonight is my last night in Boston. I wanted to spend it with you. Also, by the way, I asked Marlene... If you could join and come with me, and Marlene said no, but I tried, and uh, Ellie storms off again, and and but before we she gets all the way out of the mall, it's like she didn't want that to be the end of their relationship, so she she ends up turning back, and on her way back in is when she hears screams. She assumes that they are Riley's. She starts running and she comes across Riley in the Halloween store. The screams were coming from one of those like animatronic. Yeah, that you stick yeah, next yeah. to your front door to freak out the kids when they're when they're coming for candy. The fifth wonder is the Halloween store, by the way. Um Riley throws Ellie a giant wolf mask and uh hooks Ellie's Walkman up to the store speakers and plays I Got You Babe. But it is not I didn't even realize there was a pre- Sonny, Sonny and Cher, Cher version of I Got You, Babe, but it's Etta James. Okay. Because I was listening to it, and I was like, where's Sonny at? Yeah, good note, because I recognized the song, and I was like, yeah, it's I Got You, Babe. And I just kind of assumed that it was the Cher version, even yeah. though it also registered with me. This doesn't sound like the version I know. So good good note there. Etta, yeah. yeah, the OG Etta James version. So Riley puts on a very freaky, unnecessarily scary <laughs> clown mask and, uh, and, and jumps up on the counter to dance, and she gets Ellie up there with her. They have like this awkward, you know, mm-hmm. couple minutes there together up on the counter dancing. Again, I, th- I think it was important to remember, like, they've been drinking, right? They're being silly I've as hell. I've been drinking. Yeah, yeah. Great song. <laughs> Yonsei. <laughs> Surfboard. And uh, so <laughs> Ellie takes off her mask. I, mean, I think in the middle of the dancing, she realizes, like, I can't fucking say goodbye to this person. Like, even though she has just told her moments before on the ground when they're having that conversation, she's like okay, I'm your best friend. Basically, like, I support you in your mm-hmm. decision, right? I'll miss you, but fine. She dances with her for a moment, few moments, ends up going back on what she said, um, and she be- doesn't beg her not to go, but the way she says it, she's like, please, like, please don't go. You can tell she just, it's, yeah. she wants to beg. And Riley says, okay. And Ellie immediately kisses her, then apologizes, says, I'm sorry, and Riley says, for what? And it's kind of this cool moment where they both get to realize they, they, it's almost like Riley knew how Ellie felt about her, yeah. but was finally ready to also let Ellie know that, that that's how she feels too, um, which was special. Wait, but you're I'm, saying Riley kind of knew how Ellie felt. I think so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was yeah, the impression that, that was I got. Too, like yeah. she was more mature, right? right. A, little A little older. Bit, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And definitely like the leader of the two of them, yep. which was just interesting because you wouldn't think now the Ellie we know would be led by another kid, like mm-hmm. that she would be the badass of the kids. Um, but unfortunately, in this magic moment, that's when our runner shows up. The infected shows up, attacks them. Again, I would note, look, this is one of the things that has rubbed me the wrong way about these infected is it's difficult to tell what can take them down, how easily they'll be killed. Like Riley shoots this thing a few times. Mm-hmm. But it does not go down. And I was bitching in the Kansas City episode because Ellie's running around just like, as you put it, like nicking them on the on the, <laughs> on the jugular and they're dying like <laughs> left and right. So it was, I mean, she shoots it a few times, doesn't go down. Then Ellie ends up like getting out her switchblade and stabbing it a few times in the side when it's attacking her. 
Um, it gets on top of her. It looks like that's when she's about to be bit. And, and then Riley hits it with an implement. And then it gets all over Riley. And Ellie brains it with her switchblade. But And at first, Ellie's like really stoked on the excitement of having killed one of these infected. Yeah, yeah. And then she realizes, oh shit, I've like I've been bitten. She holds up her arm and we see it's it was cool to see what we've seen this this spot on her mm-hmm. over and over this season where you know it clearly started to spread and then stopped. And she's got like the scar almost resembles the gus a little bit, right? right? Like yep, you can yeah, tell yeah, yeah. like yep. something about it didn't work out though. And to see the original bite was was a neat moment. Um unfortunately, you know, we also realize Riley has been bitten as well on her hand there. And right after that reveal, like that they are both bit, we start doing what you referenced at the top of the podcast today. We flash forward in time to Ellie, just for a few seconds, to Ellie frantically like rooting through, through the kitchen. Mm-hmm. She's looking for something to, to work on Joel, right? Um, and then it's straight back to the mall where Ellie is going berserk. She's having an angry meltdown. She's smashing shit. Like she's, she's really, really, really um, unraveling. And she finally sits down next to Riley. They have this conversation where Riley lays it out. The way I see it, we have two options. We take the easy way out. It's quick, painless, but I don't like option one. Option two is we just keep going. She says it ends this way for everyone sooner or later, right? Some of us just get there faster than others, but we don't quit. Whether it's two minutes or two days, we don't give that up. I don't want to give that up. We can just be all poetic and shit and lose our minds together which uh, it's not what Bill and Frank did. They didn't lose their minds together, but it did remind me of like their choice to die together. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then again, right after that little conversation, we flash back to the present. Ellie finds a needle and thread and goes down to Joel to attempt to sew him up and stop the bleeding because she, having experienced this with Riley, is not willing to let Joel go. She's not willing to quit, whether it's two minutes or two days. She won't give him up, right? And the episode ends with us not seeing the conclusion of what happens with Ellie and Riley. It's just Ellie having sewn up this wound, and it appears she's gotten the bleeding to stop. Um, But this is where my questions begin. And I mean, I think he would still have to deal with sepsis, right? Like One million percent. The risk of infection is so incredibly high here. It's like not even funny. Sepsis is absolutely in play. But I, we, we, Laura and I talked about this right after the episode and like my, my answer was basically like, number one, you have to stop the bleeding. So right. this is no so matter what, right? You, no matter what, you're going to bleed out otherwise. So that is that is number one. And then you hope that you can find somebody to actually clean the wound and dress it properly and stitch it back up with, you know, all that type of stuff. And hopefully it doesn't get infected. But like, still, one hundred percent a huge danger. Yeah, um, you would almost think she needs to find like antibiotics, yeah, like yeah, yeah. next week yes. to be able to save him. Um, but Barrett, my other question, do you think we will see the way things end in the mall for Ellie and Riley? Because they kind of left it there. Yeah. Um, no. I thought about you think that. that was I it. thought about that too. And and my the the answer to my question is based off of how they've handled kind of meaningful but you know upsetting character deaths so far. And generally, they they like you know with 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 Sam and um, Henry and and Henry, yeah, it's like the, those deaths kind of happened off screen. They didn't sh- they didn't have to show us the the blood because we know because we kind of know what happened. And right. So like, you know, I I could see a world where it's we need to see that 
the first time that Ellie hurt somebody or killed somebody was when she had to do it to Riley. Because that was my big question, right? Right. Like because that's it, that that. But but at the same time, you can. I think we can already t- know that you that's infer what happened, that, right? Right. Because Ellie doesn't turn, and Riley does, and so that's and they've got the gat right there. That's that's really you know. So I I, I think they could they they could easily just let us kind of infer that information and and not go back there because I think the point of that of of that instance of of this story in the mall was the the final kind of soliloquy there right about how like we don't give up we don't leave we take the time that we have we we basically spend every precious moment that we're given and we let what we let the chips fall where they may yeah it just it seemed like uh I mean, I guess it's so much more heartbreaking to not see it and to know right. that she probably had to kill this girl that yeah. was like her first big crush, her first kiss, whatever. Like, yeah. I'm assuming both of those things. Yes, but I'm totally. Pretty, pretty confident that was the case. Yep. Yep. Um, and like you said, because obviously Ellie does not turn, but I feel like we would know by now if Riley also happened to just like coincidentally be uh, immune. So yeah, yeah. The only part of it that I was wondering is like, I, how did how did Marlene come across this situation? Yeah, so I, I, I mean, again, I think that they, R- Riley knows about them all. They have her s- set up there, basically. On purpose, To, to yeah. build the bombs there. So when Riley doesn't show back up, when she doesn't report to go to Atlanta or even to say, hey, I'm not going to Atlanta, I'm staying in, in Boston. They're going to go They looking. go to the mall, yeah. and, and I think that's probably where they happen, across, happen upon Ellie, who is freaking out and, and staked and just kind of like, you know, has gone to the mattresses in there. Probably sitting there holding Riley yeah. still if we had to <laughs> yeah. guess. Yeah. And yeah, so they would see the bite and then Marlene would say like, don't shoot her, be- probably because it flags for Marlene that, you know, Riley is clearly turned and that this girl clearly had to kill her. And like, mm-hmm. again, I think we can kind of imagine all of that. It's not necessary for them to go back and, and show it to us. So I'm with you. I think it's more powerful that way Yeah, as well. Um... But yeah, my only other real question ends up being what the hell is going to happen with Joel? Because for those of you who watch it, you know, and, and I mean, you really should be at this point, I think. The the next time on The Last of Us thing, we end up dealing with like a whole different fucking group of people. Uh, yeah. Um, fast forward a little bit. If you are not watching, you know, next time on The Last of Us, yeah. if you don't want to hear us talk about it, I want to talk about it because I, I, I'm with you. They, they show us some of what's happening next week. And I I was shocked. This is not, the penultimate episode not, next not week. Not in a way like my jaw hit the ground, like this is what's next? Yeah. Like I was very, very taken aback by that, that it seems like we're moving on to just another obstacle. So I have no idea what the, how they're going to tie that in, how that's the penultimate, how we then wrap things up with one episode. Um, I thought for sure we would be going to Jackson in some way, shape or form. I am still, this is something that we didn't talk about last week and it didn't come up on Patreon, but like... I'm worried about Jackson. That's they, a fair worry. <laughs> <laughs> Things were too perfect they've there, man. They've got that nice little commune going. They've they've kept it so tight there. You know, it the 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 ship is well well run. It's a well oiled machine, and I am very worried that that is all going to come crashing down in some way, shape, or form. So I kind like I had started thinking about that over the course of this last week, and so I I. I I did expect to look to see it, maybe like a return to Jackson coming. Maybe that's not until the finale. Um, 
but T's and P's for Jackson because I am I am worried about Jackson. Okay, now that you're saying it, I I'm concerned that Ellie <laughs> is going to have to give up Jackson, Jackson to these to, people in yeah. order to save Joel somehow, yeah. which feels like that could be a very real possibility. Yeah, some, something like that. Because um, the the fact that it was Tommy, Marie, Jackson all yeah. omitted from those scenes is 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 somewhat troubling. Uh, on Patreon, I guessed that Tommy would show up to save Joel and Ellie. I was wrong about that. So again, like he's still in the wind. Still feels like we have to see him again at some point. I'd say it's still a possibility, though, that we don't see him. No, that we that he does show that up in some way, up. shape, okay. or form yeah. and attempt yeah. to save them. Because my, one of my thoughts watching this next time on The Last of Us was like, how is she going to kill all these grown men by herself? Right. Right. Now, yeah. I, it's not that I don't believe Ellie's little kooky and badass enough to take out a couple of them mm -hmm. but like there's like at least five dudes it yep. just seemed unlikely i'll also say about the the next time on h or, uh, on the last of us a lot of shows on hbo succession great example which we're going to talk about in a second briefly they give you nothing succession gives you absolutely nothing to go off of it's like next time on succession and it'll be logan like saying one line <laughs> yeah, like yeah but there's no you get no feel for what's going to occur in the next episode it's right. like basically the, the the most informationless hype yeah, reel of all times yeah, yes yeah. this show is really giving us a lot where like we knew going into this week oh this is going to be a strong at least the majority of it is going to be a flashback to that whole mall thing right yeah yep. like they've been pretty open with with the stuff that's coming right it, even when you watch the after the episode interviews with Craig Mazin and Neil mm -hmm. Druckmann like they're not afraid to kind of get into things um, a little bit more than I would have expected or that I would do myself if I was a showrunner because mm -hmm. I like to keep people as in the dark as possible I famously uh, used to not watch these things because right, right. I didn't like getting anything that wasn't coming to me on the screen but um, I just slowly shifted to the yeah, other team yeah. where now I really enjoy them and I like getting to speculate even more with you about right. about what these things uh, we might see next week are. So, um, yeah, that was it. Any closing thoughts on this episode of The Last of Us, Barrett? So on Patreon, one of the questions that we got was, did we think that if Joel was dead, if Bella Ramsey could carry the show on her own? Right. Essentially, like, could she step into the role? Could she be our main character? Could she carry that weight? Um Especially after Pedro Pascal was doing a lot of that in a really amazing way as as Joel and, and their chemistry together has been really, really good. So um no, I'm not I'm not answering that question necessarily, but I I did think that Bella Ramsey uh was excellent in this episode. I thought she was just really, really, really good. Part of that was I thought Storm Reed's performance was okay. I'm with you. I didn't think it was great. It felt a little acting to me, like she was. So, some some line reads were I I could I felt like she was like reading the script, being like, "This is how Riley would say this line," and then saying the line that way. Not so much like not so becoming, much, not so much Riley, yes, Riley, not yeah. so much just like existing, and that's always like a weird vagary to toss out. But like the best actors are ju they just be right? They just are. And they just and and that and you never know that like it just sat, everything coming out of their mouth just sounds real and natural and believable. And I some of that like I was getting that from Bella Ramsey this episode as Ellie. Yeah, and not, and not always from from Storm Reid as as Riley. Yeah, I completely agree. I thought it was interesting that Craig Mazin in the after the episode said Talked we had to find somebody match. that was yeah. a talent match for Bella Ramsey, and I went, yeah, but you I didn't. Don't, I don't. Think, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You didn't. And I, look, it's not that. Storm Reed isn't isn't good. I mean, she was good, like you said. I think she was okay, and and she was. I thought she's 
I think she is much better as Rue's little sister on Euphoria I, I, yep, than she was as Riley on this show. Yeah, she had a little more to do and a little more to carry here, a little bit more like just of the uh, more to shoulder. She right? was the alpha of the two characters, yeah, right? Yeah. So she did have more to shoulder for sure. And I think it might have also been sort of a callback to uh, the video game in some way, shape, or form. Like it, it felt a little gamey. Like mm-hmm. their little back and forths. So I was like, well, this is kind of yeah, you know. Just kind of a little stilted, maybe. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. Um, so yeah, I thought it was really interesting that Craig Mazin tried to put them on the same level. I was like, you're kind of doing a disservice to Bella Ramsey, who I think, like you just said, really from a performance standpoint, dominated this episode. Like totally. she was so believable. And when you put those two together, I think it did Bella a lot of favors. No offense to Storm Reed, yeah. but it's been difficult to gauge because Bella's been next to Pedro Pascal, Pedro Pascal who yeah. is one of the <laughs> best current living TV actors. Yeah. We can't get a feel for how good she is or isn't, right? And she's supposed to be this annoying, grating little 14-year-old girl. And I think this episode was the first one where you can pretty clearly say, like, okay, she's very, very talented. Yes, totally. And there's a reason they picked her. And part of the reason that I'm on team, like, I think Bella Ramsey would do fine if she did have to carry the show without Joel, without Pedro. Because Craig Mazin is someone that at this point has earned every ounce of my trust. And I don't think he casts this girl unless she is perfect for it. Yeah. So I'm not worried about that moving forward anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, the scene that I'll call specifically, uh, like I said, all the little kind of quippier natural stuff. I thought Bella Ramsey did extremely well. But then when she lets out like the just kind of like the blood curdling scream when she realizes that she's been bitten, that I was like that like gave me chills kind of because it was so it felt so real like yeah. that it like it felt like such a real reaction to the 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 come down from like being getting that adrenaline rush and being like holy shit we just killed one of these this night has been amazing for me it just got kind of even better because i get a rush from this type of weird you know because like, i'm a little psycho scary psycho shit yeah and then realizing that you're gonna die with your your first crush who you just got to kiss like yeah she it's just she just lets it out and i thought she nailed it man you just touched something that i didn't really think about but riley says to ellie you know i saved this halloween store for last because i thought it would be your favorite Mm -hmm. clearly she did have an affinity for scary spooky horror type of like kind of next level psycho shit even before she breaks here right so very good point um barrett and i will obviously be back Later this week, Thursday, on Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles, taking hotline calls from the Bloater Brigade to further digest and dissect this episode. But I did want to say quickly on the way out, Succession Season 4 has been confirmed to be the last season of Succession, which starts, uh, what is it, March 24th or something like that? Yes. Um, I just want to say one thing about that. There was a lot of people online who were like, no, how could this be the last season? Are you outside your fucking skulls? The first episode of the show tees up that Logan Roy is like, could die at any moment, basically. Like he has a fucking stroke. He's an old goddamn man. The fact that he's still alive four seasons (laughs) in is a miracle. They have to end it at some point and they don't want to make the classic Showtime mistake of dragging this thing on too many seasons. And as Barrett and I have argued ad nauseum over the course of the first three seasons, it's hard to feel like there's a successful succession show that exists post Logan Roy, right? He's kind of the anchor. Yep. And we've also talked about how many seasons they could go on the same merry-go-round of, uh, you know. Who's going to win? Who's going to win? Which kid is going to finally, you know, shoot the shot and and hit it? 
And like, can we do that for four, five, six seasons and, you know, and get to those later stage seasons and still feel like it's enjoyable. So I completely understand and feel the same way, like the, of like with the reaction of like, we, we hate losing our favorite shows. And this is, has, has been over the last several years, like not even close my favorite show on television. Like, of course I've enjoyed other stuff over the years, whether it's Watchmen or White Lotus or House of the Dragon or Game of Thrones or any of the other shit that we've talked about, but like pound for pound, this is the best show. And so it sucks to lose it. At the same time, it's thrilling that they are smart enough to know when to leave. And that's an know? important piece of the puzzle here. It's not like HBO cut them off. They even came out and said like, oh, they would have let us keep going. Oh, but like we are walking away while the iron is still hot, yeah, right? Like and that's the, so we, important. We, we have the story that we want to tell. Yeah. We found the the rightful conclusion and they're not going to just milk it to milk it. And that's, that you love to see that. But oh, yeah. You, I mean, that, and just, I mean, Logan Roy, Kendall, like Jeremy Jeremy Strong and and um, and Brian Cox and and everybody and Rory McCulkin and Sarah Snook, everybody involved, just getting to like let it all hang out and like leave it on the floor this season. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's going to be awesome. It's much better for them to know this now <laughs> than it is like, you know, what, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's good that they, that they knew they were wrapping it up. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's great news. I'm very happy about this. Uh, last thing, Perry Mason season two is starting March 6th. Perry Mason is a show that Barrett and I watched season one of uh, during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Really enjoyed it. Good stuff. If you didn't watch Perry Mason and you like kind of procedural detective crime shit. Noir, very noir. Noir. Very, Go yeah. watch season one and then you can enjoy season two on March 6th. We will not be covering that episode by episode like we will be with uh, Succession, like we do with The Last of Us, The White Lotus, House of the Dragon, etc. But just wanted to make sure you guys had a call out and were aware of it. Um, Perry Mason was quite good. That'll do it. BolinMedia.com slash shop to get yourself OCC merch. I've got the uh, Oyster Clam Co. hat on again today because I can't stop wearing it. Follow us on social media at Oysters, Clams, and Cockles on TikTok. Oysters, Clams, Cockles on Instagram at Clams and Cockles on Twitter. Follow Mr. Barrett Dudley at Barrett Dudley on Twitter and Instagram. Throw him a congratulations. Do it. And follow me, Ross, at WRBolin on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, Clam Fam, if you are lost in the darkness, look for the light. Thank you.